Welcome to Sparks and Recreation, your source for info on community events, meta-analysis, and everything Hero Realms. Part of the Realms Rising Network. Hey, 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 heroes of the realms, welcome back to the much anticipated, eagerly awaited episode six of Sparks and Recreation. I am one of your co-hosts, Matthew Jigmalinker Rooks. And today, not only do I get to introduce our normal co-host, Tim Agency 13 McKenzie. How you doing, Tim? Hey, hey, hey. But I also get to introduce <laughs> our very special guest joining us for the entirety of the show, Double Dubs himself, the Diamond One. How are you doing today, my friend? Welcome to the show. Hey, 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 as well. I am doing awesome. Hyped to be here. <laughs> and uh, yeah, excited to talk about Ranger, what would you do, all things Hero Realms. Awesome. Great to have you here. Yeah. So as Double Dubs just mentioned, he is here because we are going to have a very special Ranger-centric show for you today. And uh, we wanted to time this podcast with the release of a new strategy article that was written by Double Dubs himself and also co-authored a bit by uh, Tim. We'll talk about that later. Um, that focuses on all of the details and strategy you need to learn to uh, perform very well at a high level with the Rangers. So... Uh, that's why we have him along as a special guest today. And it's going to be a lot of fun because we're not just going to do the main focus together, but all of the segments together and get some really uh, interesting input and pers perspective from uh, Double Dove. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, Tim, while we're talking about that article, why don't you give us a little background on the genesis of that idea, how it started? Because I know you were involved with it as well. Okay. So, um, well... Adam over at Realms Rising was asking for people to write articles and this and that stuff. I wrote the fighter article. You wrote a wizard article. Decat wrote a cleric article. And then, like, there wasn't a whole lot of, like, class articles outside of that. And uh, and I was like, hey, uh, double dubs. Man, uh, you're good with the ranger. Why don't you help me write this? And so... I pretty much did the boring like structure part of the article and let him do all the fun, like analysis strategy stuff. Uh, and I mean, there's a little bit of both of us in both of those parts, but like, that's kind of how it worked out. I did the boring stuff. He did the fun stuff and uh, you get a really good article out of it. So yeah, totally, totally agree with everything you said there, Tim. I can't wait for people to read it and check it out and see what they think. What 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 did you title it? The title of the article is Advanced Aerodynamics. I love it. Couldn't have come up with a better title myself. Great stuff. Uh, and we're going to go over details about this article in the main focus. So we won't go into too much more um, in depth right now. But it's just interesting to see kind of the... Uh, the genesis of that article. And I think, I mean, we'll all agree. I think um, double dubs is kind of, if this was an academic article, double dubs would be the main author listed first. And then Tim would be one of the co-authors written, written, written below it. But um, sure. Sure. Uh, but the way that yep. it co comes together is interesting. It and it's a 
cool example of how the community kind of works together, not only to create ideas, but to develop them and work on them together. And I know a lot of the articles have gone through lots of proofreading and checks by different people. So it really is like a community process and it's a lot of fun. So if it sounds interesting to you, uh, like writing an article or helping out with the website and strategies and somehow definitely check it out. Right. Uh, double dubs. Do you have any more, uh, calls to the community in regards to this? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there might be an impending release or two going public with the game in the near future or perhaps in the present as you're listening to this. And it's going to bring a big influx of people into the community. So I think it's really a chance for us to show all these new people, um, you know, what makes this a, a great place to hang out and play this game together and work on these articles and the website and these awesome community run events. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you're not on the Discord, absolutely get on there so that you can check everything out. Um, if you haven't been to the website, realmsrising.com, you got to be going there to read all the articles and content that's posted there. And, you know, last, if you are already a part of the community and, you know, I just would encourage you as these new people come in to be active in a way that you are you know either writing content or just answering questions in the discord or you know joining these events anything you can do is going to help make it a, a better place for everyone so that is uh my my shout out to the community it's an awesome place let's show all the new folks that come in how awesome it is well put double dubs and tim what is one of the benefits of joining the discord what's one of the fun things that people can do if they join up um, they get to look at all the cool memes that everybody posts <laughs> on Discord. And uh, who can forget, you know, burger lists and stuff <laughs> like that. So, Tim, you have another thought here? Yeah, I have. Uh, I would like Mr. Double Dubs to, like, introduce a, a short, like, background about how he got into the game and stuff. Oh, right, right. that's good. Yeah, that's a good way to wrap up the uh, intro here. Double Dubs. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I've always been uh, a gamer i would say you know going way back to the the early days of being a kid i started of course with magic the gathering and i would like play in magic tournaments and play online with uh when arena came out and stuff like that and always listening to articles and podcasts so i was deep into the strategy of magic the gathering and trying to be a better magic player and so i was at a board game night with some friends and they were like hey check out this new game it wasn't like that new in terms of its release um but it was new to us and i the character packs were already out and everything like that and mm -hmm. so we played hero realms i just thought it was awesome <laughs> because like it it reminded me of magic in some ways but like this trade row mechanic was really appealing to me and the mm -hmm. way that cards faction together was interesting and like you know and I try not to draw too many parallels between Magic and Hero Realms because not everybody's played it and, you know, not everybody wants to hear about that. But, um, you know, I there was parts of it that I saw as being like Magic and that was really cool. And there was other parts that were different and that was interesting too. And there, so, like, in Magic, you, you can draft. So you take turns picking cards and then you build your decks and then you play them against each other. But, like, in Hero Realms, that's, like, all kind of happening at once. So it, it really captured me um, there. And so 
I ended up putting it on an Amazon wish list that was uh, somewhat somewhat thereafter fulfilled. And then from there, I backed the Kickstarter that had like journeys and the second dungeon and just kind of like bought bought it all up, consumed as much of the Hero Realm stuff as I could. So then when it had the digital app rolling along, I was like, all right, I'm all in. Let's do this. And, you know, I then I discovered... Um, Ambrose's Realms Rising podcast had to get on in on the community. Um, I started losing to these guys, Agency Thirteen and Jigma Linkpa, all the time. And I was like, "Who are these people?" <laughs> I was like, "I keep losing to the spider. I got to change things up a little bit." And that, um, <laughs> and I just really got into it. So there it is. That's kind of the the brief uh, background of what brings me here. And the rest is history. And that is the origin story of Diamond Double Dub. Uh, we noticed Tim and I were chatting one day. And we we're like, yeah, did you see Double Dubs? He's he's Diamond. He's a Diamond Ranger now. And that and thus yeah. was born. Diamond Double Dubs. And the rest is history. I'm, I'm humbled by the nickname. I'm, I love it. Good times. And it, so many different players have all these interesting background stories and their own way of kind of entering. But it all kind of intersects into finding something, whether it's the uh, a game night or the podcast or maybe a stream or whatever it is, leading uh, to try, trying out the game or the app and meeting the community and then just really diving in. It, it kind of catches mm-hmm. and hooks people really well that way. And when the public release happens, which is actually probably already happened by the time you're listening to this, uh, we will see a huge uh, influx of people and players coming in, which which should be great for the game. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to the times ahead. So, um, so just to give a quick overview of the app itself, and we can't go into too much because we are going to, uh, you're basically going to be playing it, and we might be wrong on stuff anyways. But what we have heard so far is that the app itself costs $9.99 for the base set, which includes all five character classes. Uh, it will also be free to play uh, if you want to test it out. And you can play online and um, play with the fighter and wizard, I think, up to level three. I- am I getting this right, guys? Yeah, yep. so with. That's correct. And I also believe out of the nine uh, campaign missions that are available, you get the first three included okay. as well. So you get a taste okay. of the the campaign mode as well, which I'm excited to see where they go with that. I love the campaign and paper and playing that out. Like I'm a PVP at heart, but I love the, you know, the co-op, co-op as well. Is fun. And even the solo campaign is fun as well. Um, if, if you go through that with different characters. So yeah, mm-hmm. lots of great content for nine 99, huge, really huge value. And, and I don't think we really need to sell it <laughs> to the people who are listening to this. Cause they probably already have it, <laughs> but on the off chance that you're listening to this and you, cause you haven't bought it yet. Definitely play the free-to-play. Check it out, and uh, you're going to be hooked like the rest of us are. So. All right, good. Uh, well, let's wrap up the intro here and segue into everyone's, even Tim's favorite segment. What would you do? This isn't my favorite segment. What would you say you do here? All right. And here we are once again in everyone except Tim's favorite segment. What would you do? Uh, this is basically a segment where we release a screenshot of a interesting decision point mid game. 
uh, and we post this on the uh, both the uh, show notes for the podcast on the website, Realms Rising website, and in Discord as well. So you can actually see the image of what's happening. Um, and then we kind of dissect it. What would you do in the situation? Which cards would you buy? What would you do next? How would you attack the situation? It's a really uh, kind of fun way to look at the game and look at how different people make evaluations and decisions. Um, all right. So we have a special guest this week. Double Dubs, you're going to get the honor here. Can you kind of paint the picture? Do you have the, uh, what would you do, um, screenshot up, ready to go? Let me interrupt really quick. This is a special what would you do, because this is from my stream, twitch.tv slash agency13. And so not only can you see the, the one screenshot that I took, which is actually a little less information than normal, but you can go back and you watch the video on the video on demand to see what was going on there. All right, and that's great. We will actually put the link to that as well into the show link. So you can physically watch how this game plays out for another layer that's not usually there. Yes. All right, cool. All right, double dubs. Time stamped and everything, guys? Yep. Okay. Okay, absolutely. We have Fizban the Wizard. It is uh, their opponent is Frank, who is playing a thief. Shout out, Frank. How you doing? Um, and so they're currently is four gold that Tim's wizard has to purchase with. One of those is a spell components, so that is reducing all of our actions by one. We also have the Silver Skull Amulet available for us to draw a card. We have the Cat Familiar and the Blazing Staff, which is the upgraded fire staff for three damage and then draw if we have two actions in play. Um, and so we also have Pure Channel, Explosive Fireball, and the Runic Robes. Of note, our opponent is a Boots Thief. They have Smooth Heist, and they have the Misdirection. So they will get two gold. So they're kind of more the economy-focused rather than the life game-focused. So that um, is kind of the characters. The row itself is super action-heavy. So that spell components is making everything look a little bit better. The Rampage is out. We've got Command. Deception, Spark, and Profit. So it really is, uh, as you might say, a tasty row, isn't it, guys? A tasty row, well put. And this is mm -hmm. turn two. Both characters are level 10. Yes. Uh, I yeah. think the Thief has bought, uh, is that Death Threat? I'm oh, sorry, touch. Death Touch. Uh, the one cost uh, yes. sacrifice Necros card on turn one. And I think that's it. Yep. So it's er it's super early game. It's the first turn for the wizard. And as Double said, Double said there's uh, four gold total when you count in the cat familiar. So basically everything, you can buy anything from this row. All right. And it is a juicy. That's without juicy the row. cat. Oh, yeah. Sorry to interject. Yeah, that the cat would get us up to yeah, so five, get actually. The rampage. All right. And just to repeat that <clears throat> totally. row, rampage, command, deception, spark, and profit. And that's with five gold to spell or to buy and the spell components reducing action. Awesome. So we basically have six. Basically. I yeah. mean, pra yeah. practical. You can buy anything yeah, on the road. purposes. That's if there was a champ, you would be able there. to buy a six-cost champ. But, yeah, they are uh, all actions. Correct. Yeah. All right. So, Double Dubs, you're the special guest for today. Let's hear what you would do in this situation. Yeah, thank you. So, <clears throat> basically, knowledge is power, right? <laughs> so I want to know as much as I can before I make my decisions here. And basically the way this row is looking, I'm going to spend all my gold and as much 
more as I can. So I'm popping the amulet right away to find out, you know, what that top card of my deck is. Uh, spoilers, I believe it's an Ignite. Is that correct, Tim? Yes. Yeah, so we're going to continue the, hypo- the hypothetical situation as uh, that it is an Ignite. So we draw that. So we still have the same amount of gold, but we know, right? So that's the first thing I would do. Next, I know that I absolutely do not want my opponent, the Thief, to get that spark. So I'm yanking the spark out first. And I think it's important to take the spark first rather than any of the other cards because what if an Elven Curse flips? I'm going to want to yank that away from them too. So once I have the spark, um, I see what flips. And in all likelihood, I'm actually really tempted by the command, but I'm going to go Deception. Not just because I, I love it so much and it's one of my favorite cards, but um, I don't like that profit being out there. I don't like that the thief still has smooth heist. Um, you know, I see a lot of trouble there. So I'm going to go pretty, like, I think it's a reactive and kind of a defensive choice here. Like, if you want to go offensive, you take the rampage and pass. But, like, the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to take the spark, make sure Elven Curse doesn't flip. And then I'm going to take the Deception. They're both great cards. The Wizard's happy to have them. And I'd much rather prefer them in my hands than my opponents. Uh, Blazing Staff will robes it for the next turn, even though we know we've got the Ignite and we won't be able to trigger it. Uh, so, yeah, that's Deception, my thoughts there. Interesting. That's what All I right. would do. All right. Now, Tim, yeah. what I'm going to do next, I'm going to read a few of the reactions on Discord. Then we'll go to you to see what you would do. And then Mm -hmm. if I have any final differing thoughts, I'll I'll offer those. All right. Uh, So on the discord where we posted the screenshot ahead of time, um, daily 23 chimed in and said he would sack the amulet as well, hope for a gold and buy the rampage. He would actually be able to get the rampage even without doing that. Uh, And then use the Mm -hmm. robes as necessary. All right. Um, He also said the command and smart spark is a good option. Uh, Further down Androser also chimed in and he's a uh, expert wizard player and he said command over deception to match the life gain of the thief purchase the spark with the cat gold sack or sacrifice the amulet and then uh, go from there get profit if you can Uh, i think those are the main answers there so kind of um, some different ways of looking at it we've got double dubs looking at the deception we've got some voices for command tim what would you do in this situation so i'll tell you what i did (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um i sacked the amulet uh drew the ignite i bought command and spark i debated a really long time on whether i should go deception and profit or command and spark um partially um with that smooth heist i didn't want him to get a couple of cheap cards to hand that's why i wanted to make sure i got spark or profit in my deck. So less likely for him to get, you know, both of those to hand to then get uh, like three of those tasty cards in one turn to be like, okay, let's lower his options. And I debated a long time, but really the healing on command is probably what uh, did it because it's turn two, knowing that I'm going to get that healing over and over and over and most of the other benefits, I'm going to get that two car, the two gold and the draw is the same between command and deception. So really it's like, do I want the healing and the damage every turn or the chance to faction to get something to hand? And I, I picked the command. So I did that. I got the spark. I think I robes the staff. 
I don't think that mattered. Did you burn the amulet? If I were to channel and some, I did burn the amulet. Yes. I think I agree with almost everything you say here. Um, This is actually the first uh, time Rampage has shown up in the what would you do segment that it wasn't the consensus choice, I think. (laughs) And this actually is, I think, one of the times you don't want to pick Rampage first um, for the reasons you guys mentioned. I would also probably go with Command just because I have suffered lots of trauma uh, playing Wizard uh, countless times uh, and know that you need lots of healing. Uh, but first I would, at first I would get this spark. I think in double dubs out, outlined the reason why do you want to see what flips, maybe something better come up? Probably not. But then you, then you get the command after that. I, I think I did it in, in reverse order. I think I went the command first and then the spark, okay. but I think you guys are right that I should have done it the other way. Yeah. Around. Because if a curse comes up, if an elven curse comes up, you actually probably want to get that because otherwise the thief is going to be tough. Um, yeah. You'd feel bad taking the curse there, but you would probably reluctantly do it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you would think about it. You would pause anyway. Uh, talking about the amulet, though, I think I would consider not burning it here. And the reason is because there's a lot of high-cost cards out on the row. And if you kept it in for one mm-hmm. more deck cycle, it could help you potentially get one of those before before the thief could. So there is something to say for not necessarily burning your... Um, your your amulet however if the uh thief can get deception and profit that's bad news so to prevent him from getting that profit i probably would end up burning it and then being sad mm-hmm. when the uh when the, ignite, when the ignite was drawn next but yeah yeah all right good i think so we have like three different or more four different four or five different ways of looking at this by the way i think um double dub's suggestion of the deception is not wrong like Especially if you do get lucky and you do line it up with profit or another blue card and bring stuff to hand, your chances of winning the game are going to increase. I mean, yeah, you're kind of like forcing your opponent to take profit there, which like maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't, you know, but I I agree that like command is, I don't want to say safer, but like command is a great pick. You really can't go wrong between the two, but I think it is maybe a little unconventional to go deception there. But I, I stand by it. I would give it a shot. I also love Deception. Favorite card in the game. Well, Easily. And, and <laughs> as, a, as a wizard with the channel, it was the, the draw two, step, you know, put one back sort of thing. So I, I would have a little bit of deck management, stacking things back to be able to line that stuff up. But it was yeah. at level 10, so I didn't have, like, the mirror and some of that stuff either. So oh, it's not a fully maxed true. out uh, wizard yet. Yep. Anyway. Yeah, really good one, a good example. And again, if you want to watch how this actually hap- played out in real time, you can watch uh, Tim's stream, and we will link to that in the show notes. All right, everybody, uh, thanks again for joining your favorite segment. And please continue to submit your own screenshots if you have uh, certain situations that you would like to do so. Uh, either reach out to Tim or myself, or even just post it right on the Discord, and we'll be happy to include them in future episodes. <laughs> And now, friends and heroes of the realm, the time has come for the main topic. This is where we are going to focus on the new 
Ranger Strategy article written by our own Diamond Double Dubs uh, called Advanced Aerodynamics. And um, it's a really juicy article to sink your teeth into perhaps the strongest character in the game at the moment, the Ranger. Um, let's start by first just giving kind of an overview. What did you have in mind when you guys thought of this article? And maybe Tim and Double Doves, you can kind of bounce off each other a little bit. Tim already talked a little bit about it in the intro, but what was the main objective or goal for writing this article, guys? Um, I would say it was mainly to get a good basic guide out for players on the Ranger on if you've never played hero realms and you don't know what you're doing, but this class looks interesting. Here's a way that you can read some stuff and get some really good tips to do it. And then, uh, Chris here, he, uh, he really stepped it up and put some, some more advanced stuff in there as well. So like, that was really good. Yeah. Thanks. I think that like, getting out the the leveling progression and the different options you know that was a big important thing to convey in the article and then also getting into some of the more specific like tactics per se of like how you use your tracking what sort of cards to look up out for and and what matchups look like and that, that sort of thing so that was the goal of the article and i am mm -hmm. confident in saying we we got there we did it <laughs> I would definitely agree. And I think, did you clock the total word count at like around 6,000 words? It's 6,700. Yeah, I <laughs> 60, ran it through a word count. 6,700 yeah. words on <laughs> the Ranger. And I mean, to be honest, you need it because there's a lot to think about when you're playing the Ranger. And once you get used to the Ranger, you can kind of um, learn how to play him. I don't want to say automatically, but it comes kind of nat. It's a different kind of way of thinking about the cycle and the, the flow of the game, so it's really good to get these fundamentals and also higher level uh, strategies now. All right. So let's just jump into the article then. And we don't have time to go over uh, everything, all 6,700 words, but maybe <laughs> we can pick out a few of the highlights or some of the things that you really want to draw attention to here at double dubs. What, where's a good place to start out? So, I think that talking about some of the different choices that the Ranger has, I know we have the build lab uh, coming up at the end. So I think talking about the different choices and then summing them up in the build lab is maybe a decent place to go with it. All right. So let's talk about those choices or how, how you build or how you focus on uh, constructing your, your Ranger. Yeah, absolutely. So as we know, the first three levels, we don't get any choices, right? We're just getting our steady shot to go into well-placed shot into head shot. But then once we hit level four, we have the option to upgrade our tracking, our head shot, or our health. Um, we'll get into when we should take which upgrades in general. But for tracking, there's the two different sides of the tree. One is basically going to be tracking deeper, but at greater cost. This is flawless track, and that one costs two gold, and you look at four and discard three. 
I like to call this the four three track because I think like everyone knows what that means. And if I keep saying careful and flawless, you might have a hard time like which one was which. So if I say four three track, I'm talking about flawless track. And so then that means on the other side we have instinctive track. This is half the cost, only one gold, but we get to look at three cards and discard two. So this is the three two track. Um and so basically, once we decide to start leveling our tracking, we have to decide what kind of a ranger are we going to be. Are we going to be a 4-3 ranger or a 3-2 ranger? Um, Tim, want to jump in with anything as a kind of a pause there? Uh, no, that's really, that's really it. Like, track is a big part of the ranger. I mean, that's what it does. That's, what, mm -hmm. that's your skill that you're paying for you know, during the game that you can use and reuse. So like, this is what it does is it cycles through that deck. And so those are the, there's, there's that middle option as well, but really most people that I know, uh, the top competitors, they pick one or the other of these two. Yeah. But if you can find a sweet build with the middle option, let me know. Cause I want to see it. If it's out there, it, it, there's some appeal to it. It only costs one, you dig four, but you can only get rid of one. So I'd call that a four-one track, and uh, just only get discarding the one. That's the that's the kicker, right, guys? Yeah, it it doesn't cycle as fast as either of the other two. Yeah, but it does yeah. let you see a lot of cards. So like, it allows you to kind of stack your deck up and stuff, which can be kind of cool. I just don't think it's as good because one of the one of the main things with the ranger is cycling as quick as you can through that deck. Kind of how you discarding. need to play discarding the, the cards you don't need. Yeah, just yeah. Dis only discarding one turn, one card on your turn. Not great. Isn't usually the best. And that's why it's one of, one of those two, the four three or the three two, in terms yeah. of creating an optimal build. And I think, and correct me if I'm wrong here, double doves, but the difference between the three two and the four two, four, I'm sorry, four three track, is that the four three is a little more. Uh, I don't want to say aggro, but it goes a little quicker. It, it might have a higher ceiling, but it also has a chance of stalling out due to the high high cost or high expenses you're incurring mm -hmm. from spending from tracking so much. Whereas the 3-2 yeah. costs much less. It, it's still aggro and it's quick, but it goes a little slower, but you kind of build up. It might accelerate slower, but it might uh, actually cruise better in the mid or, or later stages of the game. Is that a good way to think about these two um, branches in the tree? Yeah, totally. I think that, you know, play them both. I think they're both viable for sure. If I, like, had to play in a tournament, I would probably play the 4-3 over the 3-2. I think the 3-2 is awesome um, against, like, thieves and clerics kind of um, because for the thieves, if you're discarding, it's easier for you to pay for the track um, mm -hmm. so you can keep your deck kind of flowing through like that and you're also your economy is not as taxed by your tracking um like it is with the four three ranger so like the four three ranger you might be more likely to pick up a fire gem whereas the three two ranger could get away with just buying like three really awesome cards and playing them over and over again yeah yeah that's a good way to look at it all right so Continuing on this path here, we're, we're, we've looked at the, kind of the two main choices for the tracking. 
what else do we need to think about when we're um, leveling up and building up our, our ranger here, Double Dubs? Yeah, so we're also going to have the Ruin of Thandar items where we either choose the Light Crossbow or the Honed Black Arrow to go into our deck. The Light Crossbow counts as a bow. It replaces a gold in your deck, and it adds one gold and adds one damage. And the Honed Black Arrow replaces a Black Arrow, uh, gives you three damage, and... That's I it. I think that's it. I'm, <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm looking at the campaign version, and it says you draw a card, and I'm like, that can't be right. <laughs> um, noted. Gonna have to change that. Okay, so between these two, you know, the short story is the crossbow counts as a bow and is very synergistic with your deck. The home black arrow. There's a slightly off meta build that's interesting and fun that I want to try at some point. I haven't done it myself yet. Um, but overall, the light crossbow here is going to be awesome. It's going to pair up with your arrows. It's going to get you drawn more cards. The fact that it adds a gold or like counts as a gold, you know, I know it replaces a gold, so it doesn't really help you more, but it can help pay for your tracking on the same turn as you have a bow. So there's really quite a lot of synergy with it. It just really helps the deck run smoothly in ways that the honed black arrow offers damage instead of that card advantage and cycling mm -hmm. that okay. the crossbow gets you. Good. And again, we'll look at kind of optimal builds in the build lab, I think. So we don't have to talk about the optimal combinations yet, but let's keep going through. What, <laughs> okay. are, what are some of the uh, other upgrades and choices that we have? Yes. Yeah, so also in the Ruin of Thandar items, we have the Unending Quiver and the Snake Pet. The Unending Quiver, you may put an arrow from your discard pile into your hand and draw a card. So, okay, very arrow-centric. That seems interesting. And our other option is the Snake Pet. With two awesome abilities, uh, Stun, Target, Guard, or Draw a Card. It only has one defense, and it is a non-guard, so it's a one defense champion. So uh, talking about the snake while we're on the subject there, it's pretty weak, but the abilities are awesome. If you can get it to stay out and draw cards over multiple turns or, like, take down a Torgon or a Grok Storm Giant, like, the snake is doing the thing, and it's awesome. So if that's your goal and that's what you want to do, I recommend um, prioritizing guards. Getting guards in front of the snake is <laughs> going to be a, a key to trying to get it to last more than one turn. Uh, and then the Unending Quiver basically lets you draw two cards a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, Word of Power costs six, and its primary effect is draw two cards. And Unending Quiver just kind of basically does that. Um, if you think about it, you know, you may put an arrow from your discard pile into your hand. Tracking putting arrows into the discard pile, uh, some nice synergy there as well. Totally. And yeah. it's worth kind of spending just a few extra seconds on the quiver because I think it might be the most important upgrade for the Ranger. It's at least an essential component for the optimal engine um, because, like you said, it's not just drawing two. If you combine it with the tracking, you're actually discard cycling and discarding cards and getting even further along with your cycling, you're reaching deeper into your deck when you can discard an arrow and then just pull it back and draw on top of that. So yeah. um, it's a really special tool and it can help stalled out. Uh, it can help a hand that doesn't look very good end up being salvageable if you can line things up correctly and you have a, uh, 
an arrow you can pull out of your discard to keep the, uh, the, the, the chain going. So, yeah, really good upgrades there. Tim, do you have anything you want to talk about? I would say that the Quiver is probably the strongest upgrade card in relation to the kit of a character deck in the game. Yeah. Probably. Hard to argue that. I can't think of one that's more important. Yeah. Maybe the Arcane, or not the uh, not the Arcane Wand, the uh, Silver Skull Amulet's up there for the wizard, but it's l- lower in power level than the, the Quiver is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right, so... It, it's basically essential is what we're saying, guys. And the snake, as cool as it is, uh, kind of pales in comparison, yeah. I think. Wouldn't you say so, Double Dubs? Absolutely. Uh, teaser for the article. There's a whole section on the unending quiver in the article. So be sure you check it out. Definitely. And spend <laughs> some time with it because it's really how you use that and use it well is key to running a good ranger. You, you know, I've found with the ranger that at at first there's a learning curve to it that you're trying to figure out how all this goes. Once you get how it works, especially with the quiver and the tracking and all of this stuff, it feels like I don't think as much about stuff once I understand how the Ranger works, but it takes a little bit to get there, which is an interesting way. I know a lot of people will say like about the fighter that it's so simple. There's not a whole lot of decisions and this and that And yes and no, or that the wizard can be really complex or whatever. Well, the ranger can be really complex to wrap your head around. Once you get it, though, it, it feels like it's 90% of the time it's like, okay, I know what I'm going to do regardless of what happens. The best choice is usually fairly clear with the ranger, I think. Yeah, once you, that's once you a good way to it. put it. Yeah. And with the thief or the wizard, that choice is much less clear. It's a, it's a little murkier. And, of course, it all depends on the situation, but. If you're talking about like and, decision and that's true for every class, I think the more you know the class, the easier the decisions get. But there's difference between all of them, so yeah, yeah. And again, we could talk about this stuff forever, and we do, but uh, we, we <laughs> should keep it. Going. I, I just wanted to touch on there. It's got a little bit of a learning curve, but once you get it, it clicks and stuff. You you don't autopilot everything, but like. Yeah, it it gets a lot simpler once you're once it all clicks in your head. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a good way to to sum it up. I, and yeah. I would say a qui- the quiver is a big part of that. Yeah, if not the biggest, the quiver and tracking, and that's where yeah. this article is really going to help um, people learning this this class to right to uh, to figure this stuff out. All right. But so aside from my aside, let's move on to the next part of the article. <laughs> yeah. That? So double dubs. What what else do we got? Uh, some other important points to think about when. Um, leveling up your ranger yeah so the lost village item upgrades we're going to choose between the pathfinder's compass which will replace a gold again which is nice to keep kind of getting gold out your deck out of your deck and swapping it in for other cards and then that lets you look at the top card of your deck it might be the top two cards now i think it's been top two yep top two and then you can put some number of them into your discard so it's almost like a mini track that you get so you know, we talked about how good tracking is, so there's some interesting things there. And as we look at our other option, we see an arrow. And in the synergistic pile that we are creating, the flash fire arrow is quite appealing. It is one damage, automatically draw a card, and if you have a bow in hand or in play, 
you get two additional damage. So if you have a bow, you get three damage and draw a card off flash fire arrow. It, well, you'll um, get the draw even without a bow, right? Uh, oh, yes. yeah, yeah, that's a great clarification for it's sure. Just, you it's get just extra one damage. damage if you don't yeah, have a bow. Get extra damage. In uh, and, and short, so you can even draw into a bow. Yeah, and oftentimes you do, right? You, that's why it's so good. You can, lie, especially if you track first. Um, you can save if you have a handful of arrows and no bow, but you have the flash fire. You can get that extra draw you need to to start to right. start that the cycle that turns. The, this card is very much like the sharpening stone for the fighter. It works almost exactly the same way. You draw a card, you get extra damage if you have this thing in your hand, weapon, bow, whatever. It's basically the same card. Yep. Except yeah, it's they just kind of tweaked where the damage is. Yeah, it's better. Except it's better. And it's better because 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 it's an arrow, and the arrow synergy is what makes it better. Yeah. Yes, and the I agree one hundred. The chance to get a extra arrow in your deck is just as good as getting an extra cross or bow, the crossbow. And in fact, when you add right. both of those together into your deck, you're basically um, your ranger becomes super saiyajin mode, and you have uh, now unlocked the full potential. I mean, you add you add a bow, you add an arrow, you add a quiver. You're basically half of your deck is this stuff. Yep. At that point, and that's a lot. I mean, if that's the stuff that makes your deck work, and that's half your deck, and you don't need every piece every time to make it happen. Yeah, that's a good kit. Very good. Yeah, and continuing on here, there's still the question of the armor to choose for for the ranger. Double double. So let's mm-hmm. talk about the armor a little bit. Yep, so here we have the Hunter's Cloak. You have to have 30 or more health for the Hunter's Cloak to be online. If you dealt 5 or more damage to another player this turn, you either gain 1 gold or 2 health. And then we have the Sure Shot Bracer. Uh, They bumped this down to 10, right? Is it active until 10? I'm looking at the card as it was printed, and it says 30. Is it still 30? No, I think uh, it's 30. Wait, what are you talking about? They're both 30. The Sure yeah, they're both they are 30. both 30. Yeah, they're both yeah. 30. Okay. I thought that maybe had gotten errated. Thanks for the clarification, yeah. guys. So the Sure Shot Bracer, you have to have 30 or more health for it to work. And if you played an arrow this turn, gain two damage. So you get some extra damage for your arrows as um, what the Bracer will give you. So between the two here, we have either the option of economy and health or damage. And so you have to look at what is going to be most beneficial to your build. Um, The Hunter's Cloak is pretty amazing, in my opinion, for the chance at economy that it offers. Um, Something really awesome you can do with the Hunter's Cloak is if you deal five damage, you can generate that gold. That gold can do some really key things for you. For example, it can go towards your tracking. If you're on the 3-2 track, that gold enough is all you need to trigger mm-hmm. your track. So that's one of the things I actually like about the 3-2 Ranger quite a bit is that you can activate your Hunter's Cloak. You can have a hand with like all damage. You don't need any gold. And if you can pop off your Hunter's Cloak, you can still track. Even if you are on the 4-3 track side of things, that one gold you generate is still going to be going towards paying your tracking costs. So it's still mm-hmm. great. So, um, and then the two health to help you in the aggro matchups, um, or just in general, like, you know, you lose by having no health, so gaining more is going to be great. Right. And it, 
yeah. So like the health is awesome. And one last thing about the gold is it can extend you out to make some really big purchases that mm-hmm. um, can swing the game in your favor. If you're buying a couple super powerful cards and playing them over and over, you know that's going to be great for you. And the cloak is going to help you do that. Yeah. One so. quick interjection just on these two armors here. In my experience, the uh, cloak is a little easier to trigger to activate when you've got the four three. Um, tracking just because you can stack up your damage a little easier and cycle quicker. Uh, and mm-hmm. the uh, bracers might combo a little bit better with the um, the 3-2 uh, three, three, because you might not hit that 5 damage as much to activate the cloak, but the, your chances of still hitting the arrows are, are pretty good each turn, and that might be one of the, the better ways to think about when you're thinking about which armor to pair up with the tracking. You know, I, I think there is a better pick here in the cloak. But I will say, as far as your upgrade choices for the Ranger, this is this is one of the choices where, regardless of which one you pick, it's not a horrible choice. There's one that I think's better, but it's not so much better like, like getting the crossbow over the arrow or getting the flash fire over the compass that like you're gimping your deck by picking the other one. Like you could you could have a maybe not a hundred percent optimal, but good and fairly viable deck with the bracers if you enjoy that build i would say yeah I, even high that level may not, not only, agree with me but i think like one of some of the top performers in the some of the events have have been using mm-hmm. bracers so i mean you can be i i see i see that amongst top level rangers for some of them i don't agree with the choice myself but i think it is a viable choice it might you could make an argument that the bracers might even work a little better in the in the mirror. Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't done a, done a bunch of calculations on that. Uh, Double Doves, right. what do you think about these two? Do you have any comments on them? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll save the big reveal for the build lab, but uh, said a lot of good things about Hunter's cloak so far. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, I, I. I did want to talk about headshot. Should we go that route next? Yeah, go for it. Definitely. Okay, sweet. So for a headshot, you know, our two sides of the tree, um, one is going to be letting us stun additional champions, and the other side is going to be letting us return arrows to hand. So you got to decide, do you want to be, you know, you got this once-per-game ability. You're going to use it to get as much value as you can, in this big burst, you know, you want it to be as impactful as possible to help you win the game. So are you going to do that by stunning three champions and drawing a card? Or are you going to do it by, you know, returning some arrows or stunning two champions in return? So that is kind of the quick version of it. Um, Just to lay it all out, the far left is snapshot. You may stun target champion. You may put up to two arrows from your discard pile into your hand, draw a card. The middle is long shot, stun target champion. Then another, you may put an arrow from your discard pile into your hand, draw a card. And then triple shot, which I love the text on this. you got to love the text. You may stun target champion, then a second, then a third, draw a card. So um, that lays out the different ones there. One thing I'll say is that if you are going to use this and like your opponent has a big champion behind a guard, um, you may want to to optimize how much damage you're getting 
deal damage to their guard, activate your ability to stun the non-guard, and then deal your extra damage mm-hmm. to the player. And I kind of uh, outlined an example of that in the article a little bit, if that's not totally clear. But the order that you do this, uh, as with all things, is important. I I will say one thing with this, why, um, why I like Snapshot so much is I feel like it can be really useful early on because you're not waiting to have multiple champions out. Whereas with the other two where you're stunning two champions or stunning three champions, you want those to be out to use it, right? So I find with these once-per-game abilities overall, regardless of class, if you can use it earlier, a lot of times it's more impactful. Not always, but if it can give you that little bit of your draw, you say you stun a champion, even if it was a weak champion, but you stun a champion for free. You put only one of the two arrows in your deck and you draw a card and that ends up getting you a couple more gold, you know, before your first shuffle. That can be huge because you're cycling so fast that you're seeing that card multiple times throughout the game, you know, way more than if you waited because you had the uh, uh, long shot or or whatever that stuns more champions, and so you're waiting to get more value out of it, and you wait until later, and at that point, the game may already kind of be decided. So that's yeah, what I totally, to think about. Totally agree with that. Like what you described, I'm imagining like a snowball effect of making that purchase early or having that mm-hmm. big impact early by using it sooner. Um, and so, like, when you start that snowball, if you start it in deck one, it's a lot better than if you start it in deck three because it's just going to get bigger and have a chance to be more impactful as the game plays out. Yep, and the versatility of it is one of the strengths, right? If you if you can use it to get a bomb, awesome. If there is no bomb present, save it. If you have a chance to get two arrows out of your discard and get a champion with it a little bit later, even better. If not... I, like the chances and ways you can use it go beyond just taking right. out a champion, right? And that's one of the really good things about it. Yeah. And I think that... So, sometimes you will use it just to get the two arrows and draw a card. Sometimes you'll use it to take out a big champion. Sometimes you'll take it to get all of this stuff. And sometimes you'll take it just to draw a card. If you're like, you just bought something and you flipped the worst card you could have flipped and you can't <laughs> get it, but you really don't want your opponent to get it and you know you will draw that one gold to be able to get it with the card. It's worth using it sometimes, sometimes definitely, just to get one gold so you can keep that card from your opponent. Yeah, it a depends. perfect example: keeping sacrifice away from clerics. Like I would, I would consider using my snapshot to prevent a cleric from buying the rot, <laughs> and that's not even like a huge purchase, you know? Right. Yeah, I often use it yeah. to keep street thugs away from Tim whenever I'm I'm playing him. <laughs> I explain why I lose to him so much. You, you can't huh. keep street thugs from me, so yeah, okay. Um, That's my team. Yeah, and I all right. <laughs> and the basic consensus, I think, amongst most people, is that the snapshot is typically the highest value for for that for that ability. Um, I see some rangers running the middle one, where you get uh, you can pop two champions, and you know there's something to be said for that. Especially I think that one's okay too. Cleric heavy meta. Is, is yeah. Good. The third it, one though and, is. And, is not really viable, I don't think. You're not going to get three champs most of the time. But I would say you're usually not getting two arrows either. So that middle one, 
it's kind of like, where do I want to hedge my bets that there's an extra champion or I get an extra arrow? So I could see either one being all right there, but I like the, I like to hedge my bets on the extra arrow, I guess. If you know you're playing a cleric, I'd go with the, the middle one, probably. If you know right. for sure. Sure, sure. Yeah. I also think the middle ones maybe, like if you tend for aggressive or you're running the bracers, that could be good because you can punch down a couple champions and that's going to count as a lot more damage for you, you yeah. know, if you're taking good out point. a couple good champs. Yeah, very good point. See, the, this, listeners, is why you turn into this, this podcast for this high-level discussion. Um. Now, we've got a pretty good... Okay, last let's talk about the, the final upgrade then. We've come this far. Uh, we can choose a health upgrade. I think it's 8 oh. HP, right? Or um, yep. or a stun champion ability of cost 4 or less. Or stun guard. That's correct. A non-guard. Non-guard. A non-guard okay, so long less. story short, choose the health upgrade. And we can we can continue on with the uh, discussion. Yeah, you said one more upgrade, and I was like, "There's an upgrade left that you make a choice for." And I'm like, "That's probably the least choice that you make right there." So. It's bad. It it will be different when we go past twelve, and you're going to be able to get it to actually stun any champion and draw a card or something. When you can upgrade it a little more, you may want to pick that over the health. If that's but right what they now, do with it. you want the health with the twelve. Level max cap, yeah, I think. Eight HP is There's just no choice. Is huge. If you can add it, I mean, that's basically another turn or two sometimes. Um, yes. For you to, to, to play, so. All right, now. I'm just imagining a level 15 ranger over here that's going snapshot into headshot and the awesome things you could buy off that. I can't wait. <laughs> that's actually really disgusting. It is. So. Yeah, that, <laughs> that would be hopefully, sweet. Hopefully that Let's do that. All right. Well, I think about two fireballs too, and I get a little excited. So, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, let's, let's... Two devastating blows, my man. Two that's that's like... No, that just makes that's me half sad. your wizard health right that there. Just makes me sad. Gross. All right. So um, really good overview about kind of like how to think about developing and building your... Uh, your ranger will go over an optimal build or like some of uh, double dub suggestions in the build lab. Um, and typically want to spend a little more time looking at the track. Cause that's really key to running the ranger, but we're going to look at that in the skills to pay the bills. So we'll do the dive in on the track there. Let's skip a little bit ahead. In, and when I say skip ahead, I mean like in terms of the order of the uh, content in the article and how about, double dives we look at like some of the good card types to set your sights on what are some good synergies what are some good uh, cards you want to buy and uh, deck deck build with to really uh, maximize the potential of the ranger yeah absolutely so i think you know if you go back tim wrote an awesome article about this where we have like the card advantage as a type it's in the novice to expert series so definitely go check that out if you haven't read that um, and so card advantage is just anything that improves the effectiveness of your deck. We're talking about sacrifice, card draw, and cycling, which cycling would be something like Rampage or Elven Gift. And so those cards, um, basically, they're going to make you run through your deck faster. We keep talking about that idea, but basically, you want to buy a few powerful cards and play those as many times as you can. Maybe even use your snapshot to buy something super awesome and you know get that in your deck early and play it over and over again. So bringing it 
that's kind of like the general theory. I'm bringing it over to card types. I think that um, you're probably not going to be going wide with a lot of cheap champions like the cleric will do. Instead, you're more likely to go tall. And what I mean by that is buying a small number of big champions like Grok, Storm Giant. He's kind of a, a perfect example. Um, and your Horn of Calling is going to be helping with buying those large yep. champions yep. as well. Um, you, you don't want to overclog your deck. So everything you buy, ideally, it either draws or cycles, sacrifices, or gives you a lot of damage. <laughs> and I think there's this idea of multi-effect or multi-function cards where, like, Rampage, for example, does a bunch of damage and also cycles. Life Drain does a bunch of damage and sacrifices. Deception gives you a good chunk of economy and draws cards. So you really want to prioritize these multi-function cards that are going to be serving multiple purposes in your deck. Um, yeah, and that's good advice yeah. for, I mean, many different classes. But let's not forget um, Street Thug, another multi-functioning card. It's Is it, though? I mean, I guess it gives economy or damage. No, it's a guard. Uh... It's a guard. And it's awesome. So, I mean, those Street are your thugs. two. It's, it's not a guard. It's a, a champion. Non-guard, oh, okay, unfortunately. Right. All right. So, yeah. <laughs> right. I, I, I <laughs> strike that from the record. Street Thug is no longer right. considered a multifunctional <laughs> elite card. Oh, jeez. Uh, wow. Yeah, but that, It's multifunctional awesome. at sucking. So. And being awesome at the same time. Um, but... The point Double Dubs is making here about the multiple functioning is really important, especially when you can, uh, as he said, combine it with some sort of draw or card advantage and high damage. Um, and, and, and really the thing is, don't forget about sacrifice because that thins your deck down and basically you cycle it even faster. It almost counts as a draw in a way. It doesn't, but it functions similarly. So that card advantage totally what you're going for that keeps your deck from stalling out as a ranger and not being able to cycle and getting one of those turns where you just oh i have five gold and now i can't totally i agree. guess i get a try especially in the and, opening you know, so, and early mid game uh yeah. you definitely want to hit up yeah. if you see sacrifice but once you i think in yeah. dub double dubs you jump it in gets much worse later yeah once you hit like a and the midpoint is always an interesting thing and uh, and roser loves to talk about this in here different perspectives on what is the mid game but the sacrifice almost becomes a trap at some point for the ranger because if you're playing the ranger well you, you shouldn't really even need scrap after mid game you should be so lasered in and doing so much damage you, you don't need to worry about scrapping um what, what's your take on scrap or sorry sacrifice and the uh the ranger <laughs> i absolutely agree that it's easy to overdo it you know sometimes you do need to keep that away from your opponent though so like if you've got the rot and it's already been doing some work for you and you want to keep that death touch away from your opponent you know you could consider um scrapping or sacrificing death touch the one of the big things to watch out for obviously is running out of economy you got to keep tracking mm -hmm. so that that engine can continue driving so you know maybe buy a fire gem here you know i think it's easy to forget about fire gems but um if you're scrapped down a, a, a single fire gem or two could go a long ways in helping you keeping your track yeah replenishing your um 
economy is really important if you if you don't pay attention to it. And buying stuff like that, Death Touch or a small card you want to hate draft from your opponent is great if you can still afford your tracking, like you said. If it becomes a choice between tracking or doing something else, I'd almost always say track. Always, If you can track every turn with the Ranger, you're in good shape, I think. That's where something like, uh, was it Dark Gift or something like that? Dark Reward maybe is what it's called, where it's the three gold and scrap. Dark Reward. Like that's a really great uh, uh, sacrifice card that because it, it gives you the economy and then you can scrap out your economy and not have to worry about buying other economy cards. Yeah. And it will Absolutely. ally if you get another one. Six damage. Another yeah, it's, Necros. It's a great early yeah. card. So yeah. It's one of my favorite. Like, that's cards. a great card to get. Multifunction card, guys. You got your economy and your sacrifice stable together, you know? So, so, so um, you talked about the card types. What, what are other things that you kind of need to look out for as a ranger, like in a general sense? You, you go over a lot of this in the article. You don't have to go super in-depth with it. But, like, touch on some of the things that you, you kind of want to look out for while you're playing the Ranger. So, like, a mini smooth heist sort of situation? Is that perhaps what you're alluding to, Tim? There, There's a, a few things, but sure. <laughs> okay. So, um, this is a concept that I think the Ranger can do that you should absolutely be looking out for. Basically, um, I'm going to have a full breakdown in the article, so I won't get super into the details here, but imagine there is a huge bomb on the row. In this case, we're talking about Arcus. You can debate Arcus being a bomb or not, but it's a pretty impactful card if you can get it in deck one. For the Ranger you know? especially. Yeah, draw um, it's, yeah it's, it's got to draw a card stapled onto it, so it's it's good. Um, so you have gotten a couple. It's deck one. You got a couple arrows in your discard pile, and you're going to pop off your snapshot, and it's going to draw you both of those arrows, and another card. You have all your economy, you have your whole deck in play, and you're able to purchase that Arcus. It goes straight into your discard, and you have no deck at all. If you play another draw effect, that Arcus is going to go straight to hand, and you're going to be able to put it out right away. A little bit like a smooth heist from the thief who is, you know, able to get those impactful cards right away. Another trick you can do there. Maybe you don't have the draw effect, but you have a little bit of economy left over. You can use your tracking. There's no deck for Arcus to get mixed up in, so it goes to the top of your deck, so you're sure to draw it for the next turn. It, it, so it, that, that sort of yeah. process works really similar to like the guild faction abilities in like Deception, where you get a card to hand or you can top deck stuff because of those. Uh, and those work really good too. Even if you have a bigger deck, maybe you didn't draw your whole deck, but you can do what is it the the bribe that lets you put an action on top, or Rasmus that lets you put any card on top. You can just buy that and use your draw to get it to hand. Yeah, so nice like, synergy there. And even even if you don't have, if it doesn't double dubs just lined up like the ideal situation where every you get your whole deck out, everything, and you, and you have that extra <laughs> draw, or you have your track left. If you don't you're still able to buy this bomb completely deplete your draw deck and guarantee that this is going to be shuffled in on your next at the end of this turn, right. which is really valuable as well. So even if you can't guarantee it to your hand or to the top of the deck, it's getting right. It's getting shuffled right in at the end of your turn, which is uh, also mm -hmm. extremely yeah. valuable. So that that's, 
in in one one really cool thing about the ranger is you cycle through your deck more often than any of the other classes i i would say and so every card you buy gets more value out of it so when you buy those impactful combo cards where you get a draw in something else or a sacrifice in something that we were talking about earlier they're they get so much more value than they normally would because you see it two or three times more than you would with a fighter or cleric or thief or whatever. Great point. Yeah. All right. So that's, that's a good point. And you know what? Let's keep things moving on here and throw in just a little miniature war room. I say we stay here and fight it out. And, Double Doves maybe can just give us really short advice for the different matchups that that the uh, Ranger has. Because we, when I say we, I mean Tim and I, usually say that the Ranger doesn't really have a bad matchup, I mean, compared to the other classes. There's no glaring matchup that's really tough. The Ranger does well against everybody. But what are some different things that we need to keep in mind? Um, Double Doves, let's, we'll, we'll yeah. just go alphabetically. We'll start with the Cleric. What, what what should the uh, ranger keep in mind when playing the cleric? Yeah, we'll go with the quick hits here. Against the cleric, you want to keep the sacrifice away from them, and you want to keep the really good champions away from them. They're going to have a hard time dealing with your champion wall, and if you're scrapped down, you know, you're going to be running through your deck. So that's my way uh, to try to deal with clerics. Yeah, that's pretty good. And clerics usually suffer pretty hard against rangers in, in, in my estimation rangers do a good job of preventing that wall from even building up like you can generate so much damage that it's hard for the cleric sometimes to build that up that's good tim if you have thoughts here too, jump in you good on the cleric no that's good fighters up next double doves what do you got fighter i am wary of them they can do a lot of damage um and they can race you pretty good so i actually tend to start on the back foot against them i like to be um more defensive and take whatever might be, um, you know, like I'm looking for command, Kristoff, rally, the troops, even uh, recruit is serviceable against the fighter guards and champions in general in the other factions. Um, basically trying to not let them get the edge on me. I also think that sacrifice can be a bit of a trap against the fighter mm-hmm. because that game is going to be over by like turn 10 or 12 for sure, one way or the other. Yep. So like death touch, not putting in much work there, looking pretty bad. So like, yeah, I've, I've definitely lost some games of the fighter looking at that death touch where I'm like, yeah, hmm, that didn't really do anything for me. That Good game. advice. And, and this is where having like the, hunter's cloak over the bracers in this matchup specifically can be huge Mm -hmm. as a fighter playing a ranger i want to shut that cloak off as soon as i can if i can do that in just a you know two three turns i'm probably gonna win if i can't do it they're gonna heal enough that they're gonna then combo to beat me so that's a big thing whereas the bracers will give you more damage but you're going to die quicker too. So that's a matchup where that matters. Yeah. And that's why you should protect that cloak. Keep it, keep your health above 30 any way you can. Uh, And that includes spamming, spamming the healing from the cloak, even when you might not normally. I've had matchups against a ranger as a fighter. I remember one, sorry, Zabuza, but I remember (laughs) having one where I had it like ideal opening turn, all this and that he had like, 
close to 40 health and I did it in a turn and he could have healed and stayed alive long enough that I wouldn't have killed him, but I probably would have killed him sooner or later. later so, anyway. you know, it's one of those, yep. but like the point heal. is keep it active as that long as possible. Go out of your way to keep that thing activated. Yeah. Good advice for the yeah. fighter. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, what's after F uh, range ranger. Okay. Let's do the, um, the ranger mirror double does. What, what should we think about in mirrors? Yeah, I mean, they're just kind of like the fighter. They can be like super quick matchups as well, so be ready for it to go fast. You want to be looking for whatever bombs you can get off the row, but I really think, um, you know, just stick to the fundamentals, do your best tracking that you can do, and react to what the row offers you and what your opponent is doing. Okay, all right, yeah, so... Uh, play better than your opponent is basically the general advice. Or, it's, or, it's not, I'm sorry. Yeah. Or, go or get too. luckier than your opponent. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I think much, much, like... much like the fighter mirror, <laughs> this ranger mirror happens really quick and, and randomness is a big part of it. So you may not have much of a chance or anything you could have done. Yeah. Yeah. But you but want to keep draw. Sometimes you can, for sure. Don't don't let your yeah. opponent get draw. I'm, I'm obviously right. That that's that's the one thing you want. There you go. Yeah. All right. Good. Uh, yeah. Let's go on to the thief, thief next. Yeah. What are we doing against the thief here? I feel like the thief again. Like you know, they could in the terms of like you got to play good and be lucky. Well, <laughs> here again, like play good and be lucky because or luckier than them because they could get a smooth heist that the game can just kind of be over before it starts. So, like, sometimes there's not a lot that you can do there, but I would call out that depending on which version of their skill that they have, you should kind of game plan accordingly. So, like, if they have Lift, which is going to gain them the 7 health every turn, it's going to be harder to run them over, whereas if they have Misdirection and they're only gaining 3 health when they use their ability, um, you might have a better shot at, you know, grabbing an Elven Curse and an Intimidation and a Rampage and just going to town with those 3 cards. Mm -hmm. Um, also, you know, if they have, uh, the heist that steals from you, try to flip your deck in a way to keep your good stuff away from them. Um, and I think I mentioned it earlier, but I like the three, two Ranger against thieves because it's easier to keep your track. Yeah. The discard hurts you less. Uh, and that's a great point too. And we've brought this up multiple times and, uh, and Roser and realms rising as well. When you're looking at your opponent, don't just look at the class they're playing, but how it's built because how you're going to yep. play against it will change depending on what upgrades and what skills and abilities they have. So definitely look into that. Good advice by double dubs there. Okay. Uh, so last but not least, or maybe actually it is the least the, Oh, sorry, Tim, you got something to say? No, Chris had something. Oh, okay. To sorry. Say. That, that was blocked on my screen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Basically, I just want to throw out the reminder with the thief that you should discard an arrow uh, because you have the unending quiver. Like, don't forget about that. Yeah. They're going to try to hit you with that discard, and uh, the unending quiver is a good answer to that. For sure, yeah. The the thief is not uh, immune to discard, but kind of resistant in that sense. Of course, once you're discarding more than one card, I mean, it gets dicey for anybody, but yeah, the thief yeah. can deal with that a little bit better. Okay, so let's take a look at our our, our poor friend, the old wizard. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> what what do we have to think about when uh, facing off against a wizard, Double Dubs? Uh, you know, they're pretty squishy, so I like to try to just run them over as fast as possible, go aggro, 
grab, you know, whatever the strongest damage cards are off the row and try to play them over and over. If there's an awesome Imperial card or a defensive card, you want to try to keep that away from them. You know, like, obviously you would always buy command for yourself, but you can, like, never let them have command. Like, I don't know if I would feel 100% about this, but maybe, like, if there's Rampage and command in the row, maybe take command instead of the Rampage. What do you guys think? I would. If you're against a wizard? Yeah. Yeah, that was my intuition as well. So... You know, that's kind of the general strategy. Um, don't get blown out by explosive fireball. That's the one that makes it so you can't buy champions off the roll. Be wary. Like, you can be trying to, like, set up this awesome turn where you're like, I'm going to discard two arrows, and then I'm going to use my snapshot, and I'm going to buy Grok the Storm Giant. And they're, like, going to see that coming from a mile away, and they're going to explosive fireball that right out of existence. So don't let that happen. All right. Yeah. All right. So I think um, we've hit kind of the major points here. We can start to phase into the other segments of the show. Uh, but are there any kind of final points you want to wrap things up with here in the main focus double dubs? I want to give a quick shout out to Noodle Topa, who has been a great Ranger opponent and a great person to chat with as well, but also provided Absolutely. some great feedback for the article. I ran this by him, and he gave me like 10 different like comments that were helpful to incorporate. So, uh, you know, not quite enough for the co-author credit, as Tim has, but definitely <laughs> the shout out on the cast. Noodle Topa, you rock, man. Thanks for the input. Uh, look forward to facing you in the queue or in an organized event. He knocked me out of the HRPC Ranger event and went on to win it. So, like, at least I lost to the eventual winner. I have that consolation. Yeah, I think all of us have been knocked out by Noodle Tulpa at some point. (laughs) Let's, uh, Let's end our main topic here. We covered a lot of stuff there. So we will say goodbye to main topic and say hello to Matt's favorite segment, the build lab why should you build such a thing welcome to the build lab today we're going to talk with double dubs about the ranger build and we already kind of went over like leveling up a ranger and talking about the upgrades. So um, what would you pick as the top most viable ranger build? Absolutely. I would love to get into that. So we are taking the light crossbow. Uh, Well, I guess we got to start with level four, right? So at level four, we are going to go on the right side of the tree towards the four, three track. I'm going to make that, Official, we're going for the 4-3 track uh, at level 4. At level 5, we are grabbing the light crossbow. It's just so synergistic in the deck um, mm-hmm. that you know, you're know you doing bows, you're doing arrows, you need another bow. It doubles the amount of bows in your deck. Um, at level 6, we are going to officially be a 4-3 ranger. This is super powerful. Um, you know, And you already have your headshot ability which is going to let you draw a card. So you're already able to kind of make some of those big early game purchases. You're not returning all the arrows, but so you're already looking good at level six by rushing straight to the tracking and having a second bow. At level seven, that is the second Thandar item where we're getting the quiver. 
we already said a lot about why the quiver's so awesome, but um, just like, yeah, it's a great draw too. You can set up some nice tracking combos with the quiver. So we're, we're snagging the quiver here at seven. Now at eight, I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball at you guys. And this is also something that Noodle brought up, which is that you should take health here at eight. Um, and I think it's a great idea. I haven't leveled a ranger in a long time, but it makes sense to me. And with the new uh, release, we'll all be leveling new rangers. And I do plan to take the health at eight. Not only um, is it just great to keep you alive, your headshot's already like doing its thing and pretty good. But at nine, we're going to get our armor. And regardless of which armor you pick, that's going to keep your armor online for longer. This is something that I would say like is similar to the fighter as well. When I when I talked about that, like when you're leveling it up, getting that health upgrade earlier, especially like you said with the armor, is a really good point. That yeah, your snapshot's pretty awesome, but you get most of that with the headshot. So the health upgrade's really big, and you're gonna take it take it early. And especially if the release happens and our leveling is a little slower and you're playing more games there, that's a good way to get a little edge against everyone else. Totally. So keep going. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, I, I appreciate the, the input by all means. Um, at nine, we've got our Lost Village upgrade. And here for me, it's, uh, it's going to be Hunter's Cloak. I do want to try a Bracer build at some point just because I, I love playing ranger and it seems super fun but i think the cloak i just love the the economy making those big purchases with it and the health to help stave off the aggressive fighter and, and things like that so I'm, I'm going cloak all the way to help me pay for my tracking and everything like that um at 10 we're gonna start moving down that headshot tree we're gonna be able to return an arrow stun a champion and draw a card great um at 11 it's Flashfire Arrow or the Compass. Sorry, Compass, they're going to have to buff you at least one more time before I give it a shot. Um, Flashfire Arrow all the way here. It counts as an arrow for your snapshot ability. It counts as an arrow for a quiver. It is a draw effect, which we want as many as we can in our deck. Um, yep. It's it's Flashfire. Honestly, a, a lot of these, you know, it's not super close, but a couple of the choices are build-defining. So while it may seem like Oh, there's not a lot of choices. It's like, well, no, there's there's some overlap and there's some very distinct builds based off of a couple key decisions that you make. So um, very last but not least at 12, we're going to finish out the build with Snapshot. And that brings it all together. Our Ranger is now ready to dominate the queue. All right, so I'll just sum it up really quickly. We have the Crossbow. We have the uh, Quiver. We have the 4-3 track, we have the Flashfire Arrow, and the Hunter's Cloak. And the Snapshot. I mm -hmm. think I had all the important points there. That, yep. I would tend to agree, is my favorite optimal Ranger as well. I've had a lot of success with it. How about you, Tim? That's my favorite um, as well. I will say the 3-2 track... Uh, is probably just as viable as the four three track. Uh, the matchups work a little bit different or whatever, but the rest of the builds the same. Yeah, regardless of which of those those you go. Um, 
but I prefer the four three as well. That's my favorite. You have to alter your play style slightly with the three two, uh, just because you're not mm-hmm. digging as much and cycling as fast, and you don't have to worry about his economy as like the uh, economy you need for tracking right. with the four three is super important, and you don't have to worry quite as much with three two, which is nice. Uh, but I agree, Tim. Right. The three two is viable. I, I think we've all taken them all up to it, full diamond, right? Four diamond on both of these guys. So yeah, they're both super uh, strong, highly resilient, and uh, flexible um, builds that should get the job done for you. And and I have done I have done a bracer build before, and I just like the versatility of the cloak more than. And as somebody that likes aggro. I, the versatility feels more aggro than the actual aggro looking upgrade to me. So, hmm. yeah, good point. Interesting. So, so, and we kind of talked about the difference between the tracks and all this sort of stuff already. So, I think that's a good, good way to talk about the build lab and end it out here today. And we're gonna go kind of in depth with uh, the track ability here. And spend you know five or ten minutes talking about that here with the skills to beta builds coming up. You got skills to pay the bills. And welcome to Double Dub's favorite segment, the skills to pay the bills, where we're talking about <laughs> ranger tracking. Yeah. So, so in a general sense, maybe maybe not even specifically which which track you go with what's what's some stuff about the track that's really important that you need to pay attention to so the biggest thing i think is like turn order and sequencing and knowing the the state of the game you really need to analyze all of that the matchup what your strategy is what they're trying to do you need to have an idea of that before you even decide when or if you're going to track, let alone how you're going to track. Like, and I, I know I'm kind of like painting a broad picture here, but like tracking, you're literally like setting up where you want the game to go. You're like picking the direction for what you want to have happen. So you have to have a clear picture of like where things are at right now and where you want to bring it. And so that's why. You know, I think it's good practice to do this in general. But when you're playing in the app, you know, you look at your deck, your discard, your opponent's deck, and their discard, and the row, what you have out before you even decide if you're going to track. <laughs> and then, right. once you've decided if you're going to, I kind of broke it down mentally when I was going to write this article of, like, you can either... So suppose you've got some draw effects in hand. You've decided you're going to track. Are you going to track before you draw any cards, in the middle of drawing some cards, or after you've drawn all your cards, right? So those are like kind of like three times that I envisioned or like realized you could be tracking. So I think at the that before I get into three types, I'll just kind of leave it at that. Did you guys have anything you want to chime in with what I've said so far about tracking? You're doing great, Double Dubs. Doing great. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Okay. Okay. So, um, yeah, I you're most often going to be tracking before you draw any cards because the thing that tracking mm-hmm. before you draw cards does is it lets you ensure that the quality of those draws is very high. It also can help yep. you set up faction abilities that are in your hand. 
So you're getting rid of the two gold, you're leaving the profit there, you're drawing it, and you're pairing it with the deception, and you're bringing Dire Wolf straight into play. Boom. All because you tracked. You know? So that is a... Yeah, again, I'm going for the ideal example here. I want to sell the listeners on how awesome it is, but yeah. But but that's really, not only does track speed your deck up, it lets you set up the quality of your deck a little more too. So it, it not only cycles through faster, but it makes sure the stuff that you're actually playing is your better stuff. And sometimes you know? cycling is not the best choice. Sometimes Correct. you actually don't want to discard stuff if you can shape a good reshuffle or time the, the shuffle well so that you get uh, a maximum a build on your next uh, shuffle. Okay. Well, I was going to say, we didn't talk about the shuffling and some of that as much in the main topic or anything. And since we're talking about tracking here, that's something that the Ranger, you can have a lot of control over your shuffles where maybe you set up that you are going to draw that gold instead of discarding it because it means like I'm going to actually square my deck up right so that I don't bottom deck my domination and firebomb I have there that normally would bottom deck, you know, that sort of thing. So um, it's, it's something that once you play it enough, you get a feel for it. And a lot of times you want to track most turns usually, but sometimes you don't want to, because you know what's coming up in your deck that you're yeah. and you have to ease up on the accelerator because just because you can cycle it through doesn't mean you should and like you just said Tim setting up that good squared uh, shuffle or maybe you want to time it so that you can shuffle and leave a bunch of stuff out take out in the order trash. to do that or maybe you can fi- you realize that you're going to be able to you can have a small gain if you cycle this turn but if you don't you can have a really large game gain next turn right so weighing out like a a small gain now or setting up a you know really nasty turn next turn is another thing so so that's exactly what i was talking about that there's a a big learning curve for the ranger but once you get it like all this stuff just clicks in your head and you kind of it becomes second nature almost but it's still something you have to think about I think all the points you guys are making are are really illustrating what I initially said about how like you have to have that broad view of the game before you like go into your track, yeah. and that's what like shapes you know how how you do it for sure. Um, I think on the shuffling, I just had a couple of quick points I wanted to make about that uh, while we were kind of on the topic, which was that yeah, you want to take out the trash sometimes, which means like when you track, if you can do it in a way that keeps a bunch of gold out of your deck for a turn. That's an awesome thing to do. Um, protecting against thieves who are trying to heist something away from you. That's a big thing, yeah. Sometimes you want to flip the deck there. And I'm noticing that's an even bigger thing at level three play, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, and then uh, if you drew something or if you bought something awesome, maybe you want to make yourself have a smaller deck. So you might flip intentionally so that you that big impactful purchase you made, you, you draw it sooner. Um, yeah. Yeah. And keep an eye, keep an eye on your bows and arrows, right? Yeah. If you're going to freeze out both of your bows, uh, in, in doing some sort of tracking maneuver that you're going to shoot yourself in the foot a little bit. 
a same thing with your arrows, right? You, you want to try to set things up so you're going to get your maximum draw. Or if you can make, like you said, a really, really small deck and just get some really strong cards and not even worry about your bows and arrows, sometimes that is actually the right choice if you have really good cards that you know you can get right. quickly. But if not, you really want to carefully yeah. look at how you're going to set all this stuff up. You want to you keep your bows and arrows so that either your, your bows... I kind of split evenly in half. So regardless of where your arrows are, you have a bow to go with it or you want to keep them kind of all together. You don't want your arrows in one, you know, draw and then your bows in the other. You want to get them together, at least one of them, if not both. So, and as you thin your deck down, you're more likely to just keep them all together anyway. But that's one thing. Yeah, really watch in that shuffle with the track and everything that it's like, oh, if I track here, I'm losing all my bows and my arrows are going to be in this next deck without a bow and that sort of stuff. And that's really bad news. Yeah, it really is the key. And I think uh, Double Dubs, you you talk about that in your article. And I remember reading um, yep. your, your draft for it. And I think you described it as tracking is the grease that that greases the gears in the engine and i said and i don't know what you i wrote a comment or i changed it that well isn't tracking kind of like the engine that drives the machine like i i really think the tracking is just it really is what makes the ranger i mean all the upgrades it all it all fits together but it's the tracking that really gets right. the whole thing moving and that's why it's so important to to really learn it it's a good time to pitch logvin's law Shout out to Bird Law. Track early, track often. And it's absolutely true. You know, you could be tracking every single turn at level 12, you know, and keeping that engine driving your deck forward. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's true. Yeah. And, or as I say with the wizard, stay calm and channel, right? If you don't know what to do, <laughs> always use. And for all characters or classes, typically you want to be using your, um, your repeatable uh, skill. skill skill yeah. as much as you can typically right but for the ranger it's especially true like i said if you can use that well, every turn you should try to basically use it every turn just just try to imagine the ranger without track like you'd have a bunch of draw but you couldn't set them up it would be so much worse like it's really i mean the ranger kit is really cool in the way that they design stuff like it all synergizes so well and yeah. kind of regardless of which way you build it as far as your track, which one you take, or your headshot, how you upgrade that. Your upgrades, they matter, but it all synergizes regardless, which is really cool. I like it. Tim just said, imagine like a character that can draw but doesn't have the scry ability. I'm like, oh, yeah, the wizard. Yeah, I, I don't have to imagine it. Already, already or the fighter. They or have the a fight. decent yeah. little draw in there, and they can and set The wizard out. does have scry, but, I mean, some people would argue you I know really what you need mean. the healing from the, the serene channel. I know what you mean. It. Anyway, any any other thoughts on the on the track here? Yeah, I wanted to get in two quick things, which is that okay. like you can track as you're drawing your cards, um, and that can be useful if you're like suppose you're trying to get to um, you know that based off of how many cards are left in your deck and how many draw effects you have combined with how much tracking, you might play a couple of your draw effects to hope that you get this good card that's in your deck that you're going for and then track so that you force that card to be the next one that you draw and then play your final draw effect 
to get that good card to your hand. Right. So we've established that, you know, you can track before you start drawing cards. You also want to keep an eye out for when you might draw some cards, track, and then continue drawing. That can also happen with, like, a sacrifice effect in your deck that yep. you want to draw into that sacrifice effect, use it, and then track, which is going to flip your deck, and then you draw more, right? So that can happen. Yeah. Or buy something, get some economy to buy something into your <laughs> discard before. That's you. another way to do it, yep. Yeah, exactly. So you want to be, again, keeping an eye out for all of these different things of, like, when you could be tracking and when you want to be doing your drawing. The last thing is you can track after you've done all your drawing, this one can be a little more rare and is most common when you're trying to set up your next turn. So like, um, or maybe you didn't have any drawing at all. The point is that like you can do tracking in a way or you should be tracking in a way sometimes that you're being mindful of what's coming up on your next turn. And a quick example that I wanted to get into for that is like, so you track, you have one draw effect in hand maybe, um, and you see that there is like, gold horn of calling ruby so you're like okay i'm gonna get rid of gold and horn of calling and then i draw that ruby and then you draw the ruby and you're like oh there's nothing on the row that's worth buying <laughs> so like right. really what's the best thing to do there probably to like get rid of the gold move the horn of calling up and then draw that and then save the ruby for the next turn or maybe leave all three up and you draw the gold and you leave the horn of calling and the ruby for the next turn because right. there's a decent champion or something. So um, always be thinking about like your next turn and if the things you're going to draw, are they actually going to be impactful on this turn or is it better to save them for the next hand? Right. So, um, yeah. yeah, there you go. This is, this is all that learning curve <laughs> with the ranger, that there's a lot to learn, but once you get it, a lot of this comes second nature because you've played enough games. You know how it works. You realize, okay, if I do this here, that. But it's still something you have to pay attention to even when it becomes easier for you. Yeah. Absolutely. And all of these things kind of outline why the Ranger is so powerful. They have yeah. this supreme ability to foresee and to shape what's going to happen next, to cycle everything quickly, and do huge amounts of damage or generate a little extra economy or heal a little bit. Like they can do a little bit right. of everything almost better than any other class can. So, um, right. It's really fun to play. It takes a little learning to get used to, but once you, you get it, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to play and you can just lay waste to your opponents as you, uh, <laughs> use double dubs as uh, advice here to uh, level up your ranger plan. Okay, so we will then call an end to the skills to pay the bills here. And we will get into Community Roundup. Here is Community Roundup. Yep, and here we are towards the end of the episode. Not much to talk about this week. Uh, we are kind of winding down, literally, the beta release of the game, so we can't really play too much <laughs> because uh, it's just going to be reset when the game uh, is publicly re released. But there are a few announcements. The first one is from King of the Castle. We have huge news. King the oh Cat's Meow has been oh, dethroned wow. by Scrap Force as of this morning. Huge. I, I don't want to, you know, disparage scrap for us but huge upset uh <laughs> he 
dethrone DeCatz. I'm just going to say, I taught him everything he knows. Tim is his mentor. DeCatz's was at <laughs> 21 defense. So he, he had uh, defeated 21 challengers, which is just ludicrous. Uh, he killed four clerics, seven fighters, 18 rangers, 18 thieves, and 16 wizards in his defense. And there's just a, a, a mountain of uh, fallen, defeated uh, challengers next to his castle. So congrats to him on a really great job. Uh, and also, huge congrats to the new king, Scrap Force, who gets to have a short run here in a few days, right before the game gets reset. And uh, <laughs> we start the event again after the after the game um, releases. And there's going to be some new rules. Uh, there's going to be probably a slight change to the format, maybe possibly a big change to the format, where I'm still kind of thinking about it. Uh, but stay tuned yep. to the Discord and to the uh, podcast to learn more about that. Uh, in other events, uh, Tim, we've got you here. Any uh, updates or just kind of an overview on how Highlander is going right now? So event three, uh, there's one quarterfinal match remaining. And then one of the semifinals is done and, so, and Rucksack has made it to the finals. I'm, wait, I'm waiting in the semifinals for either noodle or sgk carol their match to find out who i play and then so i don't know if we're quite gonna get it all done before release but we should have a top four figured out before release and this is a level three event so even if release happens we can play out the last couple of games here pretty quick so yeah it'll be good and should work and even for events that do have to pause um and take a short hiatus like King of the Castle and some other things. We will be back after the game releases and people right. get their characters built up again. And uh, we'll be back even stronger than, than before. Um, uh, in other news, I know we also have the Hero Realms premiere circuit. I think um, Dark Lighter is wrapping up one of the final events there. Um, Thief. The Thief event, yeah. So I think that's the final one, actually. And hopefully they'll be able to finish that. We don't know the the final mm-hmm. results there, but we will summarize it again. In fact, we'll summarize all of the last ones, probably in the uh, next episode when there's kind of a, a conclusion yeah. to everything. Um, is there anything else I'm missing, guys? For um, Oh, yeah, there is one more. Sorry. A new event uh, that was kind of co-created by Decatz's Tim and myself. It's called the Survivor Tournament. It's kind of a mishmash of different ideas we had and uh, and how to best uh, make the format. It's basically a Royal Rum- Rumble last hero standing type of event that puts uh, participants into random matches. And then slowly you lose your characters as you lose fights. So if your ranger loses a fight, they're gone. You can't use them for the rest of the tournament. And we'll keep progressing through this until there's only one character or one person left standing. It just started. Mm-hmm. Again, we're probably not going to be able to finish it before the um, <laughs> before the release of There's the game. There's no way. But There's no way. But we we can pause it and uh, resume it a, as we go there because it's a lot of fun, and I think the participants are really having uh, uh, an interesting and, time with the unique format. And and I don't know about you, it may be something that you might even want to think about playing at mid levels or whatever to keep the event going it's possible yeah i know it's i know it's it was set up as a level 12 thing but if we're all leveling up stuff maybe we want to i don't know it's gonna have to pause for a little bit regardless in any way yeah we're gonna have to do that and a lot of the stuff is but that's part of the fun with the uh, anyway the public release anyway uh 
Okay, and it's, I, it's a cool event. It is really cool. It's and I think we have it's just an example of this wide variety of different um, activities and events that we have. And thank you to everyone for participating. The final thing we'll talk about in the roundup is that Tavern Brawl season three should be coming up um, within, I'd say, the first couple weeks or maybe month of the uh, release. I don't know the details yet. Noodle's working on it. I'm sure he will have some announcements with that. But it is in the works. So if you're interested in participating in that, keep an eye out for that as well. Okay, and that wraps up this episode's Community Roundup. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, this is the end of the show here. Uh, thank you, Chris, Mr. Double Dubs, the diamond himself, <laughs> for joining us. It's been a wonderful conversation with you. Uh, thank you, Matt, for your wonderful dulcet tones that you always add to the show. You're welcome. And <laughs> and, and good insights it's been a really great conversation thank you everybody for tuning in this is going to drop the day of the full release of the game right before origins happens so if you are listening to this i know that double dubs and myself will be at origins he's actually gonna be my roommate yeah I'm hyped. So, i can't uh, wait so uh if you see us there I will have some Sparks and Recreation stickers. Say hey, ask for a sticker. I'll give I'll give them as long as I got them. And uh, really looking forward to meeting anybody from the community, hanging out, playing some Hero Realms, and the 5K Legends tournament is going to be pretty sweet. So looking forward to seeing you all there. You got anything else, fellas? Just want to say thanks for having me. Super hyped uh, to be here. I was, was going to awesome. say thank you, Double Dubs. Thank you for joining us. What a great fit you were. Uh, you gave a lot of really good insight. It was cool to have another perspective on the different segments. And you are welcome anytime to come join us again on the podcast, so my friend. Thank you for joining us today. And it, and if you guys think Double Dubs should start <laughs> streaming, uh, pressure wow. him to do this. Please. All right, let's start. Let's start a petition on this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We will see you. Uh, in a couple weeks and we'll have some news and maybe some special stuff from origins included there as well and enjoy the public release everybody we're here bye-bye you made it to the end of the show congratulations you're a nerd Tune into the next episode of Sparks and Recreation for more on community events, meta analysis, and everything Hero Realms.